Why, hello there, and welcome back to Wrong Opinions Only with your hosts, Justin and Kayla. And why did I go with the uh, broadcaster voice today? I don't know, Kayla. You, you but have let's not seen more. You've not seen more game show hosts. Than, hey, welcome to The Price is Right with Justin and Kayla. Oh wait, no, now I'm sounding radio DJ. What is happening to us right now? <laughs> we are falling <laughs> apart because we are recording multiple pods today to prepare for birth of baby boy when I may not be as available to, uh, not may, I will not be as available as I am right now to record podcasts, Kayla. Your brain, is, actually, that was a Freudian slip because in your head it is still May, but I'm, I'm letting you live your current truth as it is. Your your little boy, your little one, as you like to say, your little one is coming soon. <laughs> little bash. All right. It is time for a movie review. It is Aliens. Okay. Big genre. There were a lot of films in here when I was kind of picking what what should I give Justin? Do I give something I love? Do I give something I think he likes? How did you feel looking at the list of aliens? Have you seen a lot of them? I know you're as as the fans know, as we know, you are not a horror and a horror fan. And a lot of times alien movies and horror kind of go together, not always. Have you seen a lot of them? Or are you kind of like, wow, I haven't? You know, I don't think I've seen a ton. I like uh, I like alien movies. I kind of combine alien and zombie movies in a way. Like I am good with alien movies, good with zombie movies, but I don't like horror. So it is a fine line because a lot of the times it does transition or it's right on that edge of horror slash alien. And I think the movie you gave me has hints of that, but I would not call it a full-on horror movie. So I was able to get through it without much of an issue. But I was surprised at kind of the lack of alien films I've seen all the way through. Yes. There were some that I haven't that I was like, okay, I got to put that higher on my summer list because yeah, I just want to, I wanted to see them and I heard good things about them and et cetera, et cetera. Next question. Do you think aliens are real or do you think they've been to earth? Cause many people believe they're walking, talking right now that the Stonehenge is from aliens. I guess, where do you land on the aliens existing and or aliens have been to see us? I uh, don't believe aliens exist. Now I, I say that with, with a preface, right? I feel like there are other living beings out in the galaxy, but with, I don't think there's anything that's out there that's within our I'm trying to, is it within our galaxy, our solar system? I don't think there's anything out there within our solar system at this moment in time. I feel like over the history of the earth, there has been alien life forms and there's probably some out there in a far galaxy away, but I don't believe that they're, they're talking to us or here with us right now. Kayla, what about you? As I rip off my face and reveal myself to have been an alien this whole time. Um, probably not surprising. I think that aliens are real. And I guess I also preface that with what are aliens to us? People, things that aren't beings that aren't like us. Is that an alien? Like, do I picture it? The three fingered, take me to your leader. Not necessarily. Um, it is, I guess we'll go into this with our movies, but time I feel like is often a plot point in alien space movies. Talked about it with interstellar when we did the Christopher Nolan pod about time being relative to space. You have the three points of space and time and blah, blah, blah science. So I don't think aliens have come here or how we're interpreting aliens to be, but yeah, I absolutely believe it's, 
with with everything that I know about space and it's very little comparison to actual scientists, um, there's just endless solar systems, just endless galaxies, just so many that we cannot reach. And like a human life cannot span the journey to these other places because of time. And so I just believe there's just so many areas with its own beings living in their own, you know, space. I, I don't know. I, I honestly feel like something won't get to us before the earth is done. So I guess I'd say, cause it's just inevitable. Yeah. So. We got a little dark there. I agree. And um, <laughs> I'm sick of bringing the vibe down. So I think we, uh, we bring the vibe up here, Kayla. <laughs> I'm really going through it. You guys. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get it together. This is why I don't have shower thoughts y'all from last episode. Okay. What movies did we give each other? Spoiler alerts for these films, as always. You gave me the film Arrival, which is available on Max. used to be HBO Max. And I gave you the film Nope, which is available on Paramount+. Plus. Justin, why did you give me Arrival? I gave you Arrival because it is one of my favorite alien movies. I really enjoy it. I knew you haven't seen it, so we've been kind of waiting. Whenever we draw aliens for the podcast, I'm going to give you a rival. So thank you for not watching it until this point. It's got good actors. We got Amy Adams. We got Jeremy Renner. It's a little bit of a different alien story, which I enjoy because it's got a. It's not your typical aliens come down. They try to kill us. How do we survive? You know, a la Independence Day. It's got a lot more nuance into it. And the main character is a, a linguist, right? So I thought you'd kind of enjoy that language and kind of uh, English language and how we translate across uh, species was brought into the film. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, I I feel like when Arrival came out, obviously there was a lot of Oscar buzz for it. So I know I knew about it in that respect, but I hadn't somehow managed to see it. And then when I did want to see it, I was just like, oh, we're going to get aliens at some point. So I'm really just not going to watch it until then. It was hard. Several times I was like, oh, I'd really like to watch this, but I didn't. So it was cool to get to watch. Of course, I'll share my thoughts soon. I gave you the film Nope. At first, I was going to give you Mars Attacks because I just love that stupid, goofy spoof of an alien movie. You do like your 1996 films. But then I go Arrival even though I didn't know anything about it, it seemed like kind of an intense drama. So I was like, I kind of wanted to give you something that was more modern, I guess I'd say more with the times and, you know, Jordan Peele is an interesting one of all of his films. He does a lot of horror. This one, I would not consider a horror movie, although it had some like scary moments. They were very brief. So I thought, okay, I think this Justin could have his own take on it. I certainly had my own. So I thought, I guess I'd see how you felt because it it's kind of more of an abstract film in some regards, like what Jordan Peele is trying to say. So um, that adds some complexities to what was going on. And there were some funny moments too in it too, of like what you actually would do if you saw an alien, how could I make money off this? So yeah, that's why I gave it to you. So, and I will say maybe these, uh, both these films are available on multiple platforms, but I watch both of them on Amazon prime. So uh, they could also be available, would you say, on Paramount Plus and Max. But if you're a Prime member, they are both on there as of a couple days ago. Awesome. All right. Who Do you want to go first? you want me to go first? I will go first so that we can just talk long about Arrival later on if we want, Kayla. <laughs> okay, okay. All 
All right. So my film was Nope. Nope uh, came out in 2022. I thought it was older than that, but I guess uh, only a little over a year old. Uh, written, produced, and directed by Jordan Peele. As you noted, it had a budget of $68 million, and it made 171 gross worldwide. So it didn't make a ton of money, but it did come out in a weird time, really, as uh, movies are starting to transition back into the theaters. Uh, two hours and 10 minutes. We can't get anything under two hours anymore as we lament every podcast we have here. And it had an 83 on the uh, tomato meter. So pretty high praise on critics for this movie. I'll get into a little bit later on how I feel. Uh, sometimes critics lean towards uh, favorable reviews if they like previous works from a director or writer. And I think Jordan Peele having kind of a history of success and like very well thought out films kind of gave him an edge up because I, I don't necessarily think it, it deserved as high of praise as it got when it came out. Um, some fun facts about the film. Jesse Plemons turned down a role in the movie, I assume, to play uh, kind of the um, the park owner. But they did not clarify that because he wanted to be in Killers of the Flower Moon, which has not come out yet. So he turned down this movie that was filming in, what, 2020, 2021, for a movie that has not come out halfway through 2023. So that's how how long Killers of the Flower Moon has been in production and shooting. Uh, Jordan Peele considered a, another title, which would have been a bad choice, but the other title he considered was Little Green Men. I don't, that makes no sense to me with this film. So I'm glad they went with Nope. And they call back Nope about a dozen times in this movie. They just say, Nope, Nope, which I thought was probably a little overdone. And one of the main characters, well, one of the side characters, I should say, the tech expert here, Angel, was spared in the film after constantly badgering Jordan Peele throughout um, filming that he thought his character shouldn't survive and not be killed off because the original script had him being killed off. So that is why he uh, just miraculously survives in the end of the film, which I thought was a, a little odd. It did not align with the rest of the movie. All right. So Kayla, do you want to count me down for my one minute rapid fire, which I just wrote about uh, three minutes ago. So I'm probably going to be long. I sure do. Three, two, one. All right. Horse ranch in California. Horses start freaking out. Weird stuff is happening. Stuff falls from from the sky kills the father of this horse ranch. Six months later, animal handler for a TV movie slash show set. A wannabe actor sister shows up. They lose the job. Weird shit happens again. Haywoods are selling horses to nearby Western theme park. Jupiter's claim. OJ and Emerald, the two kids, are thinking it's aliens. They try to capture it on camera. Get that AKA Oprah shot. Heartbroken conspiracy theorist. Tech salesman helps them set shit up and then just doesn't leave. Realize uh, Jupiter's uh, landing is using alien to draw them in for some type of show. Light bulb moment. It isn't an alien ship. It's a creature that is feeding uh can't get the shot so they randomly call an expert cameraman for help who shows up to help them out uh jupe's antics go south and creature shows up early and kills everybody that's there to watch the show another light bulb moment if you don't look the creature in the eye it won't kill you people die emerald uh, releases big balloon for creature to eat she finally gets the shot the creature eats the balloon it explodes in its stomach killing the creature main character survived the end you are at 59 seconds yeah, I feel like well I done. didn't hit everything, but that movie was so, I don't know. It was just weird to recap with how it was handled. It had a bit of a, a Western feel intentionally. 
and I liked aspects of it, but I, I don't know. I wasn't really liking the whole vibe. What were your thoughts when you first saw the movie? So when I first saw it, I was disappointed leaving it. I'd seen it with Kayla and Kayla the C. And because I loved his interpretations of horror in his previous films, Us um, and Get Out. And so I was going into it thinking that it was a horror movie. Like it was going to be in the tone of Us and Get Out. And it completely was not that movie. So I was disappointed because if I had known how it was going to be like kind of a uh you know a not it wasn't silly but i guess not like super serious intense like scary moments type of film i would have gone on i would have gone into it differently i would have my expectations would have been different but because i was expecting like something like that and i didn't get it i left going like oh man this was what a bummer because i was expecting a totally different movie Watching it again a second time, I had a different outlook of it. I like thinking about movies, as you know, and feelings about movies. But I don't like it when movies have me going, what the fuck is happening? And does is this an allegory to this? Like, I don't know why. I love it in books, but in films, I just sit there going like, my brain hurts. Like, what? I, it's so cool that you can have 12 meanings for one thing. But, like, can I understand one or two of them? You know, and that's well, how just I felt assume movie. every movie has an anti-capitalist undertone, right? As they're making millions off of this, there's always some type of anti-capitalist agenda. And with this one, it's like, okay, uh, Jupiter's claim people, who which were played, uh, the owner was played by Stephen Juan from Walking Dead, one of the characters, Glenn there. So he's transitioned in the film a little bit recently. And he's trying to profit off of this, uh, what they believe is like an alien spaceship. There's like this disc that's flying through the air. It's hiding behind clouds. They think it's an alien spaceship. And he kind of ropes that into his show to get people to pay to come watch this crazy event. And he's going to sacrifice the horses that he's buying from uh, the Haywood Ranch to feed this creature, which then, of course, just gives the creature more motivation to stay and come back and continue to feed in this area and then on the other side you have the siblings who are like oh we are pretty broke dad died we can't keep the ranch functioning but if we can prove there are aliens like get a really great shot of an alien we can monetize that and that could solve our problem so it's like this aliens here you don't know what it is but our primary focus is how do we capitalize on it but maybe there's more undertones that i just didn't catch kayla but that was the main thing that i <laughs> yeah you would mr Moneybags. um i didn't get anti-capitalist out of that this film but that's interesting to me to me it was just this calling culture of like geez these aliens are coming straight up lifting people out of the sky eating them absorbing them whatever this jean jacket is doing and they're just like let's get this shot and make massive amounts of money which i think is so absolutely true to how in this day and age people would be it would be like yeah this thing may just absorb me in but like let me get this shot real quick so i just found it so amusing that that was kind of like the sibling goal and then they get other people to help you know capture it as like this is their money maker which at the end of the film you assume that's exactly what happened did you assume at the end of the film they have like the camera like crews and everybody's showing up and somehow the main character survive and the sister gets the uh, the money shot, the Oprah shot, as they call it, from 
you know, a portion of the park where if the alien's like in a perfect spot, she pulls the crank and it takes the, the shot that she found out earlier in the film. It's the perfect shot and it's being printed, but she like is walking away. So to go check on her brother. So does she actually get credit for it? I think they kind of leave it a little ambiguous. Does she choose kind of checking on her family over ensuring that she got the camera shot beforehand? And maybe the other people that are like running into town, all these reporters are going to pick that up and be able to monetize it themselves. So I thought they kind of left that a little bit up in the air at the end. Oh yeah, for sure. Like there are a lot of things that have you going like, did this really happen the way that they're seeing it happen? Like OJ's kind of arc. Kiki Palmer, I think I think she's an utter delight. She cracks me up in interviews. She cracks me up when she's doing like her Instagrams. She was like a host on HBO show. Um, just so freaking... I think she's great. Like I, I think she should be in like way more movies than she is. I know she just had a baby recently. Saying like, great cat, but... So I found her to be great in this film. And obviously, OJ's character, Dave Kaluuya, he's amazing. Steven Yen. Like- you know, I will say, I like Daniel Kaluuya. Kiki Palmer was great. The OJ character that Daniel Kaluuya was playing, though, I, I just, I was so bored with him. He was just a boring, disgruntled brute the whole time who didn't really say much, didn't do much. His mm. dad just falls off a horse and he just kind of turns around and is like, Oh, that's weird. Uh, and then after like a minute runs over there, like I just had no real depth with his character and I wanted more of his motivations, what he was going through or more of a connection between the siblings and their relationship. It just, I think the character development from my end was pretty lackluster. And I liked uh, some of the side characters though. Like I really enjoyed Angel, the tech guy, he was like kind of the comedic relief. He shows up like, oh, conspiracy theorist guy. So I enjoy that they added him in to the film for that, you know, bit of uh, comedy and to lighten things up a little bit. But then you had the other Antlers Holst was his name. The big camera guy that was on the set that they got fired from who just talks in like serious monotone voice like, well, the meaning of life is this and. I do one for them and one for me. So I'm just like, why is this guy even here? Like I get they're like, we want a professional photographer to get the shot. And then he shows up with a, a manual camera and then he runs off at the end. I don't know for his own personal game. Cause he got the shot or disappointed that he didn't get the shot. I couldn't quite get the vibe on that. And then I think he dies. Right. I, I just, I was like, why is this guy even here? I just don't get it. And then you add in the Gordy the monkey thing, which I guess is What did you think about that? What is the purpose? Just that this guy, Jupe, is so fascinated with what happened to this creature that he's like looking for something in the future. I, I, it did not easily come across to me as a reading on the purpose of the film, but maybe I was just not smart enough to pick up on it. What about you? I, I that like that his whole character and his whole like persona like to me I I totally see what you're saying about how exploitative he is with his trauma and the trauma of what he experienced. Honestly, the the Gordy of it all was the most interesting to me. Like I I honestly could have had some more on that because that was the scariest fucking part of the movie to me was Gordy like him like 
His captors have been murdered. He can barely see them where he is. He's a kid by this monkey who just snaps. He is under the table, like just scared to death. He just sees like blood and Gordy turns to him and he thinks like, shit, I'm about to get killed here. And then Gordy essentially like kind of changes and then gets shot and killed. And then he has made a career out of exploiting that where he collects all the memorabilia from when he was on the show. And when he talks about it, clearly he's fucking shook by this in real actuality. When he has that like moment of remembering staring at the monkey's eyes, but he jokes about it. He makes fun of it. Then I totally see the anti-capitalism stuff about how he's, you you know, taken that made money. And you know, you just said something that I did not consider when I was really watching the movie. But oh, yeah, what? he in that moment when Gordy kind of gives him the fist bump, like at the end of that harrowing sequence of almost murdering everybody, and we see the one lady later on whose face is torn apart but still alive. I wonder, like, in his mind, does that give him more of a god complex of like, hey, I was able to almost in his mind tame the beast here and didn't die, like I could understand and connect with them, and that's why I survived. So that's why in kind of the present day, when this alien is around, he feels like I'm, I am uh, giving it sacrifices of these horses to feed it. I'm building this connection with this creature so it will spare me. I wonder if that's kind of the mindset that he had that he felt like, oh, yeah, I could turn this into a show because I know how to deal with these types of events. I, I did not consider that until you started talking about the Gordy of it all. Oh, yeah, to- it totally. Because I feel like it was a survival tool, too. Like, he had to kind of think that about the situation. Because otherwise, he would be, like, non-functional. Because, Jesus, that was that was harrowing to witness and let alone experience. I do like the concept of nope, meaning that when you're at a movie and you're seeing some crazy shit at horror movies, and then you're like, nope. It's funny to me because my dad hates scary movie like he just doesn't like watching them but i can't tell you how many freaking movies i watched with him and he's like that's a white people thing like there's just no way we would not leave the house we would not do this and i'm arguing with him because i'm like dad you don't believe this shit is real so if you heard a noise in like the shed would you not go to check it out that is essentially what's happening in these horror movies they don't believe that's real and he was like nope we're moving we're doing this cracks me up so i love that just as like that concept of like yeah no fucking way and going off of that and like how how the history too, the black history that some of which is real and some of which he kind of created with like the farm and the Western and cinema and history, like all based off of real people was really interesting to me. Like I, in that aspect, I do love the different ways that he, he really like, they have a whole class on Jordan Peele. He really like researches and does all of these cool little things that you May not notice 10 watches, but you notice at 11. And so I always enjoy reading about his films afterwards because I never feel clever enough during the movie to catch some of those things during it. So I love it when people point out stuff. But this movie, like, again, I think a lot of it was just I had these expectations of being this, like, crazy twist and crazy, like, scary moments with these aliens and like the jean jacket of it all which was the alien was kind of based off of like a biblical kind of creature it literally looks like a flying hat like sombrero like in design kind of like a jellyfish basically like a floating jellyfish that was an interesting concept to me but like i mean 
I prefer more humanoid aliens, like this like weird jellyfish sombrero looking alien. Like I don't know that necessarily worked for me. It is a scary concept of how it just like it can transform and engulf yes, like, whatever is yes. around. Because I was confused at first because you only sh- saw it in the kind of the saucer form at first, which was like what a fifty foot diameter saucer with a mouth in the center. And you didn't realize until you found out later that it's a creature that it's eating these. It's not like beaming it up, but yeah, then towards the end when it's getting almost angry that it can't eat or kill these other people, it just starts transforming shape to its surroundings in order to engulf everything around it. And they had a couple really cool shots of it, but I was also getting a little bit confused. I'm like, this thing can just rotate shapes and sizes whenever it, wants i was like is this the same creature this looks different so a little bit of that didn't didn't hold for me throughout i'm going to be very curious what he does after this because i'm not saying this i mean you said this movie came out at like a difficult time and movies just don't it's really hard to make movies and get the same amount of money honestly pre-covid that you were getting honestly the movie theaters are still trying to recover um and films in general how people are watching them has changed too in the in the streaming industry movies are in theaters for a couple weeks and they're straight video on demand that that's majorly significant when you used to be like i mean i remember trying to look to see when the next vhs movie was coming you know like when the dvd was coming out like i remember trying going oh it comes out in june like i remember that like waiting period and now you've really the transition from the theater to your couch is almost seamless sometimes it's next day sometimes same time so that that's really changed my hope is that he he goes back to horror because i just really like did you see get out or us or like the horror of it all you're like yeah not for me I saw Get Out and I okay. I really liked Get Out because it had a bigger and more obvious kind of uh, story behind it, right? That you could mm-hmm. figure out. And it's more of like a thriller with horror elements, but it wasn't all jump scares, which is like, I'm not like a Freddy, those types of horror movies, I'm completely out. But if there's like a overarching storyline and plot behind it, that's more thriller-esque, like I'm down for those. So I really liked Get Out. I did not watch Us because Us looked like much more of a horror, horror movie to me. It absolutely was. There were some really funny moments, but yeah, that one was like, geez, yeah, even the music was freaking scary. You know, you're more of a Sweeney Todd guy, as we all know. So <laughs> Sweeney Todd stand, yep. <laughs> You know, sweetie Todd Stan. Um, yeah, I liked this film, but yeah, same thing for you. Again, part of it was because I thought it was going to be a different movie than it ended up being. And then the other part was there were some moments where it really was like, all right, let's let's get the satellites. Let's get the camera. Like, And the jump scares I did have, which I did jump at the moment when he was in the stable and the kids are playing the prank with the masks. Oh, like yeah. when it got dead quiet, I was sitting there like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like what? Because I thought it was going to be like actual aliens, like humanoid type of creatures. So I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, I felt relieved uh, when it ended up just being like kids playing around. But and the farm of it all was interesting, too, like the different personalities. Yeah, it was it was I didn't leave going like that wasn't worth the money. I just left kind of going. I got to read what the fuck happened in this film and like, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah. Nope. All right, Kayla, so why don't we get into, because I'm very intrigued to hear your thoughts on Arrival. Oh, I love to share my thoughts on anything and everything. Okay, Arrival. 
Arrival came out in 2016. It was directed by Dennis Villeneuve, who is coming out with Dune 2 later this year. Super excited. It was written by Eric Hessier, who, and it's based on a science fiction novella called Story of Your Life by Ted Chiang, which is almost to it, but they did have some differences from the novella. Notable stars, like you said, Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, had a budget of $47 million and it made $203.4 million, has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 94%, and it did win an Academy Award for Best Sound Editing, but it was up for like almost like eight different awards, so including Amy Adams. Fun facts. The alien language is fully functional and included over 100 logograms, and you only see like, I think you see less than half in the actual film. I always like, I think of it in like Lord of the Rings. I think of it in like Game of Thrones. I think it's so masterful. These authors who create languages, like fully functional languages in their books that people can then just run with. I mean, people are out here speaking Elvish. People are out here singing Dothraki. Like, I just think that's so cool because it's just, it's another layer of just analytic, like just the ability to create language and making it functional is just amazing. And these are always linguists coming into it, you know? So I just think that's extraordinary amount of work. So that's really cool. And he, and, and he helped do it, Dennis. So that's pretty cool. The ships hovering at the end was for a reason. So they kind of like the ships hover when they arrive at the different points of earth. And then at the end, they hover again. They don't quite leave, but they're like a distance from like the ground to the bottom of their ship. Um, And that was to kind of make it the interpretation that earth's people had to make the, the step to them as like, we weren't going to give you everything. We did our part. And now you for this last piece have to make, a connection with us versus the opposite in the film. I did read they changed the ending, which saw the aliens giving like futuristic gifts and technologies to every country at the end, including blueprints to an interstellar ship. But they changed it, as you can imagine, because when Interstellar came out, they found it to be too similar uh, to the Christopher Nolan film. And so especially with like an interstellar ship that could travel across phase, they're like, oh, okay. So they did change kind of the ending due to that. And Shang's wife's last words, which are basically how the earth is saved potentially, um, it were in war, there are no winners, only widows. So that was kind of intense wow. last words. That's yeah. This is kind of an intense movie. So, all right, I'm ready when you are to give my plot spiel, which is very hard to write up because I'm like, there's so much thinking in this film you can do outside of the plot that I'm like, what is necessary here? So I'm going to try my best. All right, you ready, Kayla? Three, two, one. Linguist Louise Banks' daughter dies at 12 from an illness. Flashes 12 alien spacecraft hover in a lot of places around Earth. Colonel Weber recruits Banks and physicist Ian to study the craft about Montana. They research the complex written language of the aliens and share results. Banks' flashbacks like visions of her daughter. The final aliens are here to offer weapons. China thinks that means war, so they break up communication. Banks thinks it means tools. Soldiers plant a bomb and explodes, knocking Banks and Ian out of the ship, hovers out of reach. The military tells them to leave, but Banks figures out that the writing is part of a message shared across each spaceship and they should do what they learn. Banks goes on a transport pod and learns that the aliens are helping humanity because they will need to help them through thousand years. Also, weapons means language. Learning the language alters human's perception of time and allows them to experience memories of the future. Banks is having visions of a daughter she hasn't had yet. Banks goes back to him as a member of China's director, General Shang, sharing his wife's last words. She repeated him to stop him from attacking the aliens. She calls him, says the words, and the war stop. The ships leave, and Ian says he's in love with Banks. They talk about changing the future if they could. Banks shows that she will have a child with him, and that Hannah will die, and Ian will leave them after she reveals that they knew all along, but she still does the end. 
Okay, like good job. 54 seconds. Well done. So what'd you think? Okay. For a letterbox listeners, I did write a review of this film. Um, didn't get my rating, so I like to wait. Yes. My first few thoughts were that this movie was a lot slower than I thought it was going to be. In that, like, the beginning, how it starts to set up, you see flashbacks of Amy Adams' character with her daughter, who, in these, like, quick kind of scenes, you know, they have a close relationship. You learn that the father is has left them, and she said something to him that made him kind of turn off to both of them, like, kind of leave them. And her daughter dies at a young age. Now it, she kind of looked older in death. Like I thought like teenager, but um, reading it, it says 12. So, um, so she dies at 12 from an illness. They don't tell you what it is. It, it's similar to cancer seemingly because she loses her hair and she's kind of sickly in a hospital. So dies in her arms. So, so when you're watching it, you go, Oh, this happened. And then it's flashing to her as a professor teaching about linguistics. So you thought, like, cause when I first watched this movie through like probably halfway through the movie, my thought was these are future memories. These are not past memories. But when you were watching, you were thinking these were all in her past and it's taken place. Yeah. Like, and that's what, and, and I'll say like, you would be the exception because that's the twist kind of ending. I took it as they were filming it because throughout the film as she's trying to learn these aliens language, which is off of these circle, these logograms is how they kind of communicate. She's seeing these visions and at no point, obviously that's purposeful because they don't want you to know that these aren't actually memories of the past. They're memories of the future. Um, she doesn't kind of see a vision and go like, who's this little girl? Like she's not really connecting the visions to the aliens. Like, even until though they the started end. happening after she put her hand up on the, the totally, but she's yeah. she's never like you're never seeing her True. alone going like what do these visions mean? She's never telling anyone. She's never going like who's the girl? Like like never is she really other than experiencing these memories, mentioning them or saying anything about them. So to me, it was I I feel like if I was seeing this daughter I was raising. And losing, essentially, I feel like, I don't know, that might come up as something to say. I, I, it, that was interesting to me. So I just felt like most of most of the movie is just her trying to learn the language. And in those moments, I was like, all right, we're really... I, at this time, I didn't know if the aliens were peaceful. I didn't know if they were going to, like, light everyone up. So I wasn't sure what was happening. I knew they were allowing them to try to learn their language, so... But that could just be a ploy. I've seen I've seen enough alien movies to know that they can seem peaceful till they're not. And you know the circle learning like that was taking a while too. I'm like, wow, we're really we're really going through this. Like I feel like I'm trying to learn this but language too. I feel like especially with like a director of Villanoise caliber here, some of the purpose of that is to show that hey, this this is something that's going to take a long time. It's not like a quick easy answer. Like this is a process and the aliens need to be willing to work on this and the overall theme of, Hey, everybody on in the world here, all these different countries need to band together in order to share information. So you kind of see throughout the film fracturing of that, like there's allies and there's people they're not talking to, and it's kind of going back and forth, but I thought it was a pretty good, kind of representation of our culture at times right now where 
just nobody has the patience to understand something before acting, right? They're showing these, uh, you know, podcast TV hosts that are just trying to drive fear into the listeners. Like we need to act mass. What if they kill us all? Well, they're being peaceful now and talking to us. Why don't we figure out the purpose here? And then you have other world leaders that are just like, no, this is danger. Like people are looting and it's crazy. And it's just, it was a little tough to watch at times because you see that happening in society now with things much less of a scale than aliens invading. And I would just have no faith that our countries could unite as one if something like this were to happen. Wow. You talk about arrival like I talk about fast acts. <laughs> I, I do love, love it. Arrival, Kayla. I love, I love it when you... you... I love it when you start to talk about like how it's a reflection of, you know, us on earth and, and feelings. I love it, Justin. Okay. You, you've, you've pumped me up even more for this rival uh, arrival uh, discussion here. So another issue I have with this film, which is very much a me thing and less, I think of the film, which I think, you know, by now my issue in sci-fi movies tends to be when they have time elements where I have to understand time in a way that it seems always complex to me. So for that, that's just a me like plot wise. I, as soon as it was like giving me interstellar vibes as far as like time and understand, and they, they mix it with the language, which I find that to be fascinating that essentially what happens is, and I had to read it because again, when I get to these movies, I do not ever understand it when watching it. In fact, when I was reading articles about it, like I, there were a ton of articles that said explaining the ending of Arrival. So I was glad I was not alone. But I go, how the fuck is this working? Essentially, what happens is as she learns this language, she's the only one. She's the linguist that is, is you know, the point person here. And she had Jeremy Renner's Ian, who's the physicist and like working with her. But he he doesn't understand the language like she does. Once she learns this language and she gets these future visions essentially what happens is that their language like deals with time and she can be both present in the actual present time and be present in the future. Meaning that when she's having, she had a future uh, vision of her daughter who was asking her what zero sum, like she was trying to ask for a definition of something. And in the future, in that moment, she did not know, but she was also active in the present. And Ian, um, you know, the physicist, Jeremy Renner's character, says that term. And that allows her to use the knowledge she's having in present time and give her daughter the answer in the future. She is affecting the future because she's living both in the future and the present time. I'm telling you what, as a first time viewer trying to understand that, I was like, what the fuck is going on? It. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Just going to say, I, uh, I've watched it a handful of times, so it's easier to kind of pick up on cues like that, but it, it seems like in the future and the present, she goes into kind of this memory dream state and towards the end of the movie, when she realizes kind of the purpose of this, after talking with, uh, the heptopods, she is more able to not like weaponize it, but utilize it to her advantage, right? Where she's like, okay, in the future, I'm having this conversation with the um, the dictator of China or the ruler of China. And he's saying that I did something in the past. And it's like, I need to look at this so that I can 
relay that back to my past. So I just thought that was super cool how how they integrated that all for the purpose of her being the one that essentially saves humanity at that time. So uh, I'm a stand for, for sure. It. The, the first time I watched it though, Kayla, I um I may or may not have had some type of uh of gummy or something and it hit potentially you know i'm not agreeing to anything that could may or may not have been done here when they go into the ship for the first time where gravity shifts and they're like walking on the side and then like upside down going up like the shaft to the uh ship i was just like no idea what was going on i was so freaking confused like what is happening right now so it definitely does have those elements to it I I will make sure to post an article that I read that I found like utterly fascinating as far as like explaining the theories behind this concept. Uh, way too much to go into on the pod, but it, it really like the science of it was interesting. You know, I feel like a lot of times in science fiction, especially like even Inter- Interstellar, is about how time is a circle, and this movie has kind of a shift of that a bit. It does touch on like free will. And to me, the most open endedness of the film was like the last 15 minutes of it. And to me, the gravity of it, obviously the visuals are amazing. If you're watching a Dennis Villanova film, you know that it's just going to be like, I I could imagine in theaters, just like I said, in interstellar, when I talked about it, I imagine seeing it in theaters was the best way to see it because visually the music was freaking phenomenal i mean it it was stunning in how it was shot and the visuals of everything even these spacecraft structures were pretty simple as far as like they were not a complex visual item it it, almost like a big rock a bean like it wasn't it wasn't this like whoa how this ship looks which the but the the when you're seeing the characters at the bottom of it looking up and then like you said the gravity scenes where they're walking sideways up and then they're looking down at how just in the structure gravity has changed was amazing and i i did read that they did that the sideways gravity kind of concept because they're like how the hell is aliens going to drive their ship like the mechanics of how long it is and how they're gonna so they realized that they needed to kind of make them able to kind of get up close to me the ending was most compelling to me just because yeah the like because at the end she realizes like she has to she's in the future learning about how the general of china who was basically ready to declare war against these aliens was stopped because she repeated his his dying wife's last words and as soon as he heard them he realized like she could see things and um stopped it right So she's having the memory of that and using it again in the present time to tell him those words as she's, you know, kind of like jumping in the future to gather info and and saying it. Um, So I want to talk about the ending because I thought, again, that was the most compelling to me. So she at the end realizes like Ian, who she's, you know, spent all this time with, admits that he's in love with her, right? That that he wants to be with her. She at this point at the end, like the aliens are have gone away, they've had their peaceful ending. They'll come back in 3,000 years, supposedly, for humans to help them, but okay. And she knows that the future images she saw was with Ian and her daughter, who she know now is going to get sick and die eventually. 
And it's important to know it's not like a quick death. You know, seemingly this kid is going to suffer. It's going to be sick and sickly for a while. And she turns to Ian. And, and honestly, this this these scenes made me the most emotional because it was just making me kind of think about different things. And she turns to him no, knowing this. He does not know this. He doesn't know about their future. She does. And she doesn't reveal it to him in this moment. She turns to him and she goes, if you could see your whole life from start to finish, would you change things? And this is very loaded because she has the knowledge and she's really thinking about that, but he doesn't know what's ahead. So it's not a true version of that question because she, he doesn't know what she knows. Maybe he'd answer differently, but he just turns to her and goes, maybe I'd say what I felt more often. And I like, honestly, I was like emotional watching it because it's the mo it's like a complex ethical moment that the movie doesn't really spend any time on because she does it. She chooses in that moment to have her daughter to be with Ian knowing at the start of their relationship that he's going to leave because you find out that she at some point, probably maybe when she knows she's close to being sick, reveals to him that she knew about their daughter and what was going to happen and, and he, he leaves that that's that's the reason why he leaves from him and yeah yes and he doesn't agree with the decision meaning that he says in this moment i would say what i felt more but he feels like she made the wrong choice that they maybe shouldn't have gotten together or maybe they shouldn't have had hannah who's her daughter and i go wow this movie just drops this huge ethical bomb that really had my mind reeling you know what i mean and i think it adds a complexity because i have you know experienced a loved one dying from you know illness not quick and slow at the same time i mean you you've certainly had that experience too and i was just thinking about you know the memories, the good times with that person versus like the, the pain of the end, I guess I'd say. And like to her in that moment, she made the choice that it was worth, it's worth it that her 12, you know, 11, whatever years with her daughter and those, and I'm sure she went about parenting totally different knowing obviously that has an effect was worth the loss, like the pain of loss. And you could go into the Hannah of it all. I think that's where it gets complicated ethics wise. You know what I mean? Cause she's going to suffer. You know, if you could stop that suffering, I don't know. I could see it as a parent. Like it's worth it. It's worth like knowing your kid and having that time than to lose it. But it really affected me, obviously from my personal experience of like, what I, you know, it was such a hard time. It still is something that I struggle with a lot. Um, and so that really just kind of hit me in a moment of like, you know, I was asking people, I was asking my mom, like, you know, what she thought about it. You know, she's a parent, but you know, we have a shared, you know, my aunt, um, died from cancer and it was, it was quick and slow at the same time. And so I'm just like, was it worth, you know, when it was bad, it was really bad. And you, you, you linger on those moments. Sometimes it's hard to go back to the good moments. Cause you think to the, you think to the worst parts is, is something I struggle with. And I don't mean to go on a tangent, but just that, that moment just affected me because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I wouldn't give up all my time, all my memories, not to feel that hurt, not to feel that like pain and grief, you know, but it, it's more complicated because it wasn't like the daughter just gets hit by a car. It's not like it was quick. I mean, she, she suffers, she's sick. 
So, like, I, what did you think, I guess, about that part? Like, did it yeah. make you hurt your brain like it hurt me? Like, I, obviously, I bring my personal stuff in. I relate a lot to, you know, that stuff. But what did you think about that ending? Did it go that deep for you? Yeah, it it, it did. I, maybe not quite as deep as you were diving into there, Kayla. But, yeah, it's such a, an ethical conundrum here because I imagine as she's having kind of these future memories, she's also having like an emotional tie to them. Like she's feeling in real time what she would feel in the future in that moment. And that overwhelming, you know, emotion of probably love and caring for, for this daughter, she, that's probably driving more so than the end. So she's like, if I have the opportunity to be happy with my family for as long as I can, I know ahead of time that I need to cherish every moment of it. And maybe I can, we can push through it or something, but it's so complicated because of, like you said, it's a slow death and you are not just affecting yourself, but it's your future daughter. It is your husband who doesn't know that this is going to go through. Maybe that's a conversation you try to have so that he is aware. And then I don't know how you have that conversation without it just tearing you to apart though. No matter what, if you try to have kids, this is looming over you. So does that end the relationship? Do you kind of come to an agreement that you're going to just uh, basically maximize her life as much as possible while you can? And, or do you want her to live a normal life and kind of see how it plays out? It's just, it's so up and confusing that it's an, intentionally ambiguous so you're like how would i handle that in that situation and i don't think anybody has a real easy obvious answer you know i you're probably if you've never had a child and you see that kind of dangled in front of you and you you have that emotional connection i feel like it'd be very difficult to not move forward with that life and really cherish the good times but maybe that's just an optimist to me. I don't, because the back end is going to hurt so much. It's, it is tough to talk. It's complicated. It's not complicated to me. Like you're, you're soon to be, soon to be a father. You know, it's not complicated for me on the role of the parent because the parents going, you know, she, she, it's not like she's just seeing glimpses of Hannah. It's like, she's living a life with Hannah. She's living these 12 years with Hannah. And so I'm not surprised. It's like any, a lot of people like going back with like, I wouldn't give up all the good times I had for what I suffer through. Like the complicated nature is like, what's selfish for Hannah? Who's going to die in this way. That's maybe not totally painful, but not, you know, not, not the best of the ways to go out. And so is that selfish on the parent parental way to be like, I get to have this time with you but you're going to go through pain and I know it. Like I'm going to do this consciously knowing that you are going to have some elements of your life with suffering. I mean, it, again, this is like the last 15 minutes and it's done. And I'm sitting here like, what does this all mean? Like I'm thinking about grief. I'm thinking about like ethical decisions. And the movie's even more vague because it doesn't, at no point the aliens are saying what you're seeing has to come true. And that if you don't play things out exactly, you know, that it's not a hundred percent time is a circle. So it's, she has a choice and, and it even shows moments of free will where she can choose to call the general or not call the general. Like it's not a forced things have to play out. So, 
you know, it's also calling out the woman's choice, right? It's Louise's choice in the end to do it, you know? And even even her going to a relationship with Ian, you see these sweet, slow dancing moments. She knew at the beginning that he would leave her. She went in full hearted into this relationship, presumably with him, knowing what would happen and doing it the same way. And you don't really know if she had to do it or she was choosing to do it. I, I, I choose to interpret she was choosing to do it that it wasn't the aliens weren't like if you don't do this bad thing you know this i bad agree with happen, that interpretation know? the way it came across was she had the choice she made the choice and you know maybe if she makes a different one the the past turns out differently if the future turns out differently but there was no really no indication that the aliens were like trying to you know sabotage her or do it this way otherwise you're you're screwed type of situation. Yeah, it it was the true example of she exercised her free will by by you could also argue enjoying her life's organic storytelling. Like she was actually sure. going this is how my life is supposed to play out and that's why I feel this this need to let it play out like it was meant to. Too, you know, yeah, it's a complicated yeah. ending. And like, Whew. that's the complicated moral ending. And then the, the, I think a lot of the flack the movie has gotten is what was the purpose? These aliens arrive here and it's basically like, we are giving you a, they say weapon, they mean gift to help you. We're going to need your help in 3000 years. Right? So my interpretation of that is our gift to you is we are going to essentially unite all the kingdoms of the world so they are they are one and everybody's getting along a, a real united nations vibe and teach you our language so that you have so much time to study and become an expert in this so when we need you in the future you will be there to help us and you will be a strong united front now 3000 years is a long time we're in 2023 kayla so it's longer than, uh, you know, our existence, <laughs> but I, yeah. So that's what I kind of thought the give and take was as far as like the exchange of information between the aliens and the humans. But did you take that a, another way or no? You know, you saying that does make me go, I guess, like if I'm like boiling down the plot, I guess I would kind of say like what few things happen as far as like a lot of big plot points um to me it was more interesting thinking of these like seeing the visual of the aliens and that dynamic that i think was was really it good it was really cool it and wasn't then, your typical alien yeah. vibe right they were different no the way they the hepto like how they looked how they they, they almost like squirted this ink like residue that formed their you know logogram that was their language and each little point on this circle that Honestly, it looks so similar every time they show it, but how each little piece means a different thing and its whole sentences was just so fascinating. I mean, I you might go, how can I reference this to Star Wars? But all I think of is the 3,000 years part of it where everyone believed Jedi and like lived with them, experienced them, and then they like had to hide and died away. And then like people stopped believing Jedis were real. I could so see like a 3,000 year thing where they're like, yeah, that's just a story we heard about these like, and the language is lost. Like, I think we're doomed. They these start poor aliens are going to come back. That teaches the language, and yeah, yeah, they're like, this is a lie, you know. And I, I can see these poor aliens coming back, like, well, we we helped bridge your countries all together. Like, now we need your help, and the humans are just like, get out of here, boom, like 
totally. We have advanced technology, <laughs> and we're now going to shoot you out of the sky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I totally Humans see suck, that. You know? um, humans do. You know that. That's how we end on. We're actually all team aliens now. We are pro aliens. <laughs> they were nice aliens. Abbott and Costello. <laughs> they there. were. What Abbott, Abbott or Costello? Support, One I mean, of them died. Yeah, that was pretty sad. Poor Abbott. Um, yeah. So that's Arrival. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Quick question for you before we get to ratings. Yes. Did you buy Jeremy Renner as like the brilliant um, physicist? I, I just, I wasn't fully buying him in that role. Not that he had a ton to do, but he's supposed to be this brilliant I did. physicist. I did. You did. Okay. I heard this movie got postponed a bit because he was in Civil War. And so he had to finish up Marvel films before. So they were dead set on Jeremy Renner. Um, yeah, I did. I, as a glasses, I don't know, worked for me. So I just, I was totally in. It, it, it wasn't giving me Fast and Furious, uh, the, the planet Zenthar when it lands in the space equivalent. You know, it wasn't quite that. But yeah, no, I bought it. Because he's such a, like you said, like significant, but not really. He really doesn't have much in the Yeah, we don't movie. see him really getting into the weeds too much on the science of it. There's a few scenes, but nothing too major. Amy Adams Like what he actually star. did. Like what I saw her part, she discovered the entire language. Yeah. But other than him helping her like walk to show like this <laughs> means walk, what was he really doing? Like what he was the team leader of a science division. What was he really like what well, advancements at the end, in sciences did they have? When they threw all the stuff at the end, he's the one who figured out that it was a signification that it's one of twelve and time is not linear. Oh yeah, so that's right. So he did put together kind of the, the big stuff at the end using you know, he could count. That's right. I yeah, forgot. he could he count, could count. And realize some patterns <laughs> and stuff. I will say, like, I love Amy Adams in this type of role, and I just wish she was in more good shit. Like. She seems like it's one good one, three bad ones, one good one, three bad ones. Like, let's get more consistent, Amy Adams. You know, she reminds me of Jessica Chastain as if she needs to kind of take the Jessica Chastain kind of role. She's in like, what was that? There's that movie where she was like the painter, like an actual, like, I think it was based off a real artist who like drew like big eyes. Big eyes. And someone else took big eyes. Oh. Yeah, nailed I it. think so. Like she's in some interesting one. I agree. And then she just did Disenchanted. Like, I wish she would do more. I mean, she was praised, celebrated for this role as as she deserved. But yeah, Amy Adams. I don't. I don't. She's great in dramas. She's good in comedy. She really has. She could do it all. Amy, do it all. We need you. <laughs> so yeah she was good but i don't know she hasn't been in like you know it hasn't been just hit after hit after arrival you know all right shall we get to our ratings how many vhs tapes are you giving this or your film nope is it a lot of nope <laughs> i'm giving nope two out of five vhs tapes what about you kayla wow so nope is at the same level of fast x for you okay okay just reconciling that in my brain all right okay i'm gonna give this three out of five vhs tapes i don't think it's a i would watch it again but it was like a good film arrival arrival yeah oh kayla that arrival is a five out of five vhs tape Mm, Kayla, not for me. all day. Not for Maybe me. it's just too intellectual, too high end for you. Oh, what? Give me a break, <laughs> Mister. I figured out it was the future halfway. Whatever. Okay, Mister. Big Brain. Some of us have some issues with fucking time. Is the future and the present? No, no. 
You just no. like you no, knew I would no struggle with that. Ever. You know, I, I thought it's sap. It's got sappy, sad moments. So I thought that drive you in the linguistics part. I thought would drive you in, and you still only gave it a three, Kayla. Yeah, the time. You know, time is a big hang up for me, so it was a struggle. Okay, Fine. I will pick the next film at a later time. So get excited, and we'll reveal it shortly. I'm sure. Shall we get to our Swirly of the Week? You start us off. What or who or if is your Swirly? <laughs> so my Swirly of the Week is going to be the Barbie movie. But not really for anything super movie related, Kayla. Just hear me out. I, I didn't know who to exactly pinpoint it on. It could be the color pink. The color pink might be the Barbie. So according to a production designer on the Barbie movie set, the world is running out of pink. Apparently, the movie required so much fluorescent pink for its set and its uh, Barbie dream house that they struggled to find enough in order to make it work for the set. They had to go international and it almost like fully um, ran the uh, fluorescent pink market dry, the production of this movie. So I just thought that was pretty funny when I read that tidbit the other day. I did see on Twitter someone was like, you guys, it's red and white mixed together. Figure it out. Like they're like, what do you mean it's a pink shortage? It was <laughs> it was pretty funny to me. Yeah, it's a pink explosion. If you haven't seen the trailer for Barbie, which I, honestly, July just like don't look for me in July because I'm going to be spending time with atomic bombs and Ryan Gosling as Ken. That that is what I'm experiencing for the month of July. And a potential crossover event of an atomic bomb going onto Barbie Land. What do you think? Boom. yes i totally I, let's go let's go baby and actually your swirl of the week is a perfect transition to my swirl of the week which is the war that is oppenheimer versus tom cruise oppenheimer a film that's also coming out the same day as barbie please do not change those dates but tom cruise is really trying to get the date moved for oppenheimer and the reason is mission impossible reckoning whatever is coming out the same time and Christopher Nolan has a deal with IMAX of exclusivity, meaning that for three weeks, only Oppenheimer is being shown in a variety of IMAX theaters. IMAX is also Tom Cruise's preferred method to be seeing these Mission Impossible movies. Hello, he's jumping out of actual planes, really him. And he apparently is livid. People are referencing that time uh, post-COVID when he was filming, I think, another Mission Impossible and just... Everyone like recorded him just screaming at the cast and crew for not taking the mass policy seriously. And like, mm -hmm. he's just like, and they're kind of using it for this. Essentially he's trying to get the movie changed, like the date changed because he wants sounds like, his uh, film. And I'm Tom Cruise screwed up and didn't have the foresight to get that exclusivity agreement in before Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he got outplayed. I mean, they've been making fast and furious movies for 30 years, Tom. You knew you were going to make it's <laughs> fast mission in, or mission impossible. Sorry. Mission impossible. Final dead reckoning part one or whatever it's called. This massively long movie. You knew it's been in production for like six years. You couldn't have tried to get this agreement in place before Oppenheimer. You know, Tom Cruise has has settled himself to basically only do Mission Impossible movies, I think, for the rest of his life and or career. He may live to a thousand. I'm not convinced he himself is not an alien um, as he believes in them. But I just find it so funny that 
everyone is celebrating the fact that Bar- both Barbie and Oppenheimer are coming out at the same time, and what a great double feature that will be. And just Tom Cruise just extremely upset that people are not watching his films in IMAX. It's just it's such a ridiculous thing to go against, and obviously, like. Universal's like Christopher Nolan is making an R-rated movie. I think his first in like 20 years. So that already is going to be intense. A movie that's probably not going to have a lot of action. And they're like, yeah, like go at it, Christopher Nolan, do your thing. So I love it. Tom Cruise, figure it out, my guy. I mean, you got a million more Mission Impossible, so I'm sure to follow. So figure it out. Big swirly. All right. Shall we get to our friendship question of the week, Justin? Yes, we shall, Kayla. So I got one that kind of ties into Arrival. And if we, you know, we don't like to get too dark here, but let's just go with it. If <laughs> we, you, we're really light sources for the yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> if you uh, if you had the opportunity not to see your life play out from beginning to end, like uh, Amy Adams' character says in Arrival, but if you had the opportunity to know how much longer you would be on this earth. Would you take that? If just a general number, not a specific date, a uh, you are going to be alive for another 40 years. You're going to be alive for another 20 years. Would you take that? Or would you just want to live in blissful ignorance? I don't live in blissful ignorance because I'm worried about this every other minute of the day. <laughs> so no, I do not. The blissful ignorance that I feel everyone else is able to exist with when they think about mor- mortality. I love it for you. I don't have that yet. I'm trying to get it. Um, no, part of me thinks that maybe if I knew I would have some sort of peacefulness, but the reality of how I am and my anxiety, absolutely. There's no way every hour of the day, I'm not thinking about how I'm, you know, 50 years, 32 days, you know, like there's no way I'm not counting down. And then to the point where like, I know like I'm at year at 20, if I just know generally it's 20 more years, 50, whatever, there's no way I'm not fucking, no, just me thinking about having that knowledge. I'm like, I would just be like, no, actually it's no years and just swan dive. I I couldn't deal with that. It would be too much. Justin? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, Kayla. It is a, it's a difficult question. I go back and forth on it because there's, if it's going to be a long time, you're just like, oh, cool. Be nice to know I'm living this long. Or it could be the opposite of if I'm only going to be here another five years, I'd want to know now so I could live life to my fullest, like as much as possible. I, I really, I brought up the question to throw to you to see your response without really having an answer myself. And I, I really, I don't know. It's difficult to say because I would be thinking about it constantly, especially if it's, you know, I'm 33 now. If they're like, you have 20 years, I'm like, shit, that means something bad's going to happen to me in the next 20 years because otherwise it, I should get like 50 years on the docket here. I will pivot to say, I think I would want to know because with a child coming, little uh, baby bash, I think I would want to have some type of how long am I going to be in his life to make sure I maximize that amount of time. So I think that's where I would land. If I did not have a child on the way, I think my answer probably would be ignorance. But with that, I think it it changes the dynamic a little bit for me. So I'd want to know. All right. So team childless here, we would swan dive off the bridge because we couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, and that reminds me of the question, like a different interpretation of that question, which is, would you rather know how you die or when you die? Have you heard like that version of it? Like, yeah, and you know, a lot of people are like, if I know how, I'll just avoid that <laughs> happening. That's bullshit. No, it's just bait. Yeah. This is Final Destination style. It's gonna happen either way, right? I think I'd want to know when, not how. I think I wish I could have like the ability to just like erase the memory. Like if it's too much, if I could just be like, pretend I didn't say yes. Men in black. And it was gone. Because then I could know, you know, is it like peacefully in my bed or is it like freaking, you know, Dom Toretto running me over with his car? I I need to know. So that's that's complex for me because I yeah, I yeah. Twitch, Twitch. I'm constantly thinking about that stuff. So anywho. Kayla, should we just have a therapy death talk uh, podcast? Because <laughs> I, I, I ha- I've been having that weekly for the past six months. Yeah. So join on in, Justin. The the water's warm. It's not <laughs> and, as frequent for water. me, but sometimes late at night, it's just like, oh shit, man, what what's this all for? I mean, doesn't matter. And and once to. again, we are the uh, podcast <laughs> hosts of light and joy, and we never end on depressing notes ever. So yes. <laughs> love it for us okay i think that wraps up this episode alien movies check them out arrival and nope and we'll see you next week well that's it for this episode of wrong opinions only please follow us on instagram at wrong opinions only and on twitter at wrong opinions jk where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes until then jk out